Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Remember, the United States had massive losses in World War I in a war in Europe. And at the time, 39 and 40, the United States was still right smack in the middle of a Great Depression. And so what these industrialists, enormously wealthy, these politicians, Lindbergh and others were arguing is, let's take care of our own. Let's take care, <coughs> excuse me, let's take care of our economy. We can build a military strong enough to protect the continental United States should anybody try to attack us. But leave Europe to Europe and later on leave Japan to Japan and of course Italy to Italy, Germany to Germany. We've had enough of these wars. That's what happened. Now Franklin Roosevelt was... in many ways, quite tyrannical. In any event, he tries to get around what was the Neutrality Act that had been passed by Congress with the Lend-Lease Program to try and assist Churchill and the British. Churchill was repeatedly seeking help from the United States. Roosevelt couldn't do much. The Congress, Democrat, wouldn't do much. So we'll lend and lease certain military equipment to the British who will have to pay us back. Of course, it was a pittance compared to what Britain needed. In the meantime, as America watched, Hitler was burning through Europe. Tojo had effectively taken over Japan in charge of the military and they were brutalizing various neighbors including China and of course in Italy Mussolini the fascist he was active in northern Africa and still the America First Committee with almost a million members quite significant in a minority but quite significant with voices throughout the culture, throughout the society, insisted that the United States take no action. It was even worse. The United States military wasn't built up to the point where it could even defend the United States, should the United States be attacked directly. Of course, there were no nuclear weapons at the time. And so the U.S. was on its heels. 
Then comes December 7, 1941, when we are attacked by the Japanese at Pearl Harbor. And Germany and Italy also declare war on the United States. About a week later, no longer, the America First Committee dissolved. Charles Lindbergh sought to join the, at the time, it wasn't called the Air Force, but the Army Air Corps. FDR said no, we would have nothing to do with him because of his positions. He would go on to fly several missions anyway under FDR's radar. And the rest is history. That movement cost us an enormous number of American lives. Because it wasn't until the enemy attacked us, until they were very, very powerful, until they had made all kinds of geographic gains, that we got into the war because we were attacked. And then, of course, we had millions of volunteers and draftees. But my point is, we had to send these men and women, but mostly men, all over the world. And they started behind. They started behind. We started behind. We had to rev up our industries. So many of our men were slaughtered, taking back tiny little islands as they worked their way back to Okinawa and Japan. As we helped fight through Europe and North Africa. A massive, bloody world war. Second one. In 30-some years. (coughs) Excuse me, in 30-some years. You see, we may want to avoid war. But our enemies may not want to. And our history, certainly our military history, didn't begin in Iraq and Afghanistan. Afghanistan in particular was a long war. 20 years. We're reminded constantly. You're told this by the so-called American firsters in the media and in the Republican Party. You're told we can't fight a two-front war at the same time. So the answer is just focus on one area of the world. Is that going to protect us? You're told that Ukraine is none of our business by the same people who told you that when Donald Trump took out Soleimani that he was being provocative, not the Iranians. Soleimani having killed hundreds and hundreds of American soldiers and wounded far more as the terrorist head of the Republican Guard. Now, to me, we're going through a similar period right now. A similar period right now. Where the voices of pacifism, isolationism, 
and so-called American firsters, who are not American firsters, were American firsters, in the true sense of the term, not the 1939 and 40 sense of the term. They're placing America at an increasingly difficult disadvantage. Our enemies are taking advantage of us. The Chinese are now at the Panama Canal. They're not far from building a base at the Solomon Islands, where Guadalcanal is. The Chinese have built five, five so-called research centers in Antarctica with the Russians. The Congo controls 70% of cobalt, which is necessary for all these batteries. And China now controls 100% of the 70% as we abandon our fossil fuel for cobalt using batteries to run electric vehicles where the communist Chinese will have complete control over us. We have corporations in this country that are unpatriotic, that are massively invested in an enemy country, who are applying pressure to Congress. Congress talks, but Congress doesn't act. Communist Chinese are buying up farmland in America to try and feed their people, and also for strategic purposes. The Communist Chinese are now in Central and South America, as if the Monroe Doctrine doesn't exist anymore. They're in constant battles with India, Japan, Vietnam, the Philippines, insisting that they are the indigenous owners and peoples of the Spratt Islands and all the other islands, the East China Sea, the South China Sea, off of the Philippines, the navigable waters off of Vietnam, and of course that they own Taiwan, having destroyed Hong Kong. The retiring number two in the chain of command of our military Before he left, he said that China's military buildup is, quote-unquote, stunning. Stunning. You've heard people say that the United States spends more money on defense than the next ten countries together. That is a lie. China lies about its defense spending. Russia lies about its defense spending. And Russia and China together, they don't have the labor costs we have. They don't have the regulations we have. Spend more on their defense than we do. It's the way it is. But I'm here, again, as a lone voice, warning my fellow Americans, especially conservatives, Do not be sucked in by this ideology. It has cost a lot of people their lives. 
It has given aid and comfort to the worst kind of enemies. When we have enemies that tell us what they want to do to us, that threaten the most senior officials in our government, whether we despise them or love them, who are buying influence in our colleges and universities, or buying our land, and so forth and so on. We better do more than we're doing now. We need to build up our military. We need to help the Japanese build up their military as soon as possible, as quickly as possible. And take other steps to protect we the people for what is the coming confrontation. We're in the middle of a Cold War, another one. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, would you turn down millions of dollars a year? All you'd have to do is surrender your independence and abandon your principles for the money. That's a devil's bargain. Sadly, it's one that almost all American colleges and universities make. But there's one college in America saying no. My favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale College refuses to accept one penny of taxpayer money, not even indirectly in the form of federal student grants and loans. By saying no to government money, Hillsdale remains genuinely independent, free from corrupting federal mandates, and most importantly, free to pursue its original 1844 mission, pursuing truth and defending liberty. In addition, over 3 million citizens have enrolled in Hillsdale's free online courses. And over 6 million American households, including mine, receive Hillsdale's free monthly publication in Primus. You can learn more about Hillsdale's independence from government, its mission of defending liberty, and its national outreach programs at levinforhillsdale.com. We are poised to repeat some of the worst aspects of recent history. The same voices. It's different people, but the same voices. We are not imperialists. We're not warmongers. We're not interventionists. Everybody's not Lindsey Graham or John McCain or whomever. This whole notion of neocons and super neocons. Neocons are mostly intellectual Democrat Jews who would have supported Franklin Roosevelt, who left the Democrat Party in Roosevelt and joined Reagan and the Reagan administration, like Jean Kirkpatrick, among others, even though she was Catholic. Same thing was done by the America First Committee. The same kind of conspiracy theories, the same kind of bigotry. And I'm just telling you now that we need to pay attention to who the real enemies are and not pretend they're going to go away because we choose to ostracize ourselves. I'll be right back. Folks, would you turn down millions of dollars a year? All you'd have to do is surrender your independence and abandon your principles for the money. That's a devil's bargain. 
Sadly, it's one that almost all American colleges and universities make. But there's one college in America saying no. My favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale College refuses to accept one penny of taxpayer money, not even indirectly in the form of federal student grants and loans. By saying no to government money, Hillsdale remains genuinely independent, free from corrupting federal mandates, and most importantly, free to pursue its original 1844 mission, pursuing truth and defending liberty. In addition, over 3 million citizens have enrolled in Hillsdale's free online courses. And over 6 million American households, including mine, receive Hillsdale's free monthly publication in Primus. You can learn more about Hillsdale's independence from government, its mission of defending liberty, and its national outreach programs at levin.hillsdale.com. In an insane world. The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Nothing I'm saying should be controversial in this regard. I'm just talking about facts and history. Um, I don't look at foreign policy and national security as an ideological matter. It's not an ideological matter. It's a matter of prudence. Prudence. Um, There are some who do look at it as an ideological matter. And they're more obsessed and concerned with proving themselves right than the future of the country. That's why even in this war where Russia invaded Ukraine, all of these actions by Russia in violation of the uh, Geneva Conventions and worse are basically censored by the pro-Russian Putin voices in the country, whether it be the Bernie Sanders types or the so-called American firsters. And I guess my message is really aimed at younger people. Older people should know better. We celebrate the greatest generation. Well, it's the greatest generation that saved the world. Those are the vets. Those are the men and women that had to suffer, that had to put everything on the line in order to reverse course from the likes of the America First Committee. And I understand the apprehension. We have a buffoon as a commander-in-chief. We have a corrupt, propagandistic media in our country that doesn't tell us the truth. We have incompetent ruling class elites But none of that, none of that changes the nature of the enemy. The enemy doesn't care if our border is secure or not. The enemy doesn't care if we have inflation, recession, stagflation, or not. They don't care about our unemployment numbers. The enemy doesn't care if we have baby formula or not. They are going to exploit whatever they can. So these are the same arguments that have been made and are, be- <coughs> and are being made today as were made back then. Focus on our own economy. They had a depression going on. Focus on the needs of our people. As if concern and preparation in reality with respect to our foreign enemies isn't focusing on the needs of our people. We always look in hindsight at what's taking place. Ever hear of Billy Mitchell? 
Well, Billy Mitchell was the earliest great advocate of air power. And he was an advocate to the point of annoyance. With the other generals in the army and the politicians in Congress who had invested in different aspects of military services. But he was right. He could see in the future what was needed. He was chased out of the military. Pretty much, he was smeared and chased out of the military. Remember General Singlob? Remember General Singlob? He warned about China during the Carter administration, and he warned that we could not and must not withdraw all our troops or withdraw our troops to the point of danger in South Korea. He was effectively relieved of his duty and publicly attacked. Remember him? And I can go through others. We had, uh, prior to World War II, however, very patriotic corporations. Very patriotic corporations. They weren't political. They weren't ideological. They were businesses. We don't have so much of that anymore, do we? We have corporations that do business with a genocidal regime that has torture camps and death camps. And I bet you most of these corporations would have done business with the Third Reich. Of course, they would deny it. But I believe they would. There were some people who wanted to do business with the Third Reich, and there were some people who defended the Third Reich, including some media, like the leading correspondent in Berlin for the New York Times. And he wasn't alone. So you've got to use your own noggin, do your own research. And yes, put aside what might be radio idols, TV idols, political idols, whatever idols. Put them aside. Think for yourself. And think for yourself. I was told, and you'll hear it Sunday, by one of the great experts on China, that within our own country, they're monitoring all of our news sites. They're even monitoring Fox. They're even monitoring me and radio. And they report back to their communist bosses and communist China. So I have a responsibility behind this microphone. And I have a responsibility in front of a camera to be a serious person when it comes to matters of life and death. to be a substantive person when it comes to matters of life and death. We can have fun and entertainment. I'm not talking about that. I am telling you, as I have for five years, as I have on TV, as I have on Levin TV, I am telling you, 
that the day is not far when we may well be going to war with China. Not because of what we're doing, but because of what they're doing. Because of what they're doing. We didn't provoke Russia to invade Ukraine, as these so-called America Firsters insist. The reason we support countries that want to get into NATO is because they wanted to get into NATO to protect themselves. These are small countries with small populations that have faced the horror of Stalin and have faced the horror of Hitler. And they know they can't survive alone, and so they need to join with other relatively like-minded societies. Is that so bad? But Mark, it'll provoke Russia. Why? How many of these countries have invaded Russia? Does Poland invade Russia? Romania invade Russia? Hungary invade Russia? The Balkans invade Russia? Nobody's invading Russia. Nobody wants to invade Russia. Besides, what the hell for? None of those countries want to invade Russia. Taiwan. Communist regime, the Communist Party, decides that Taiwan is going to be devoured. Then everybody has to genuflect or bend over backwards and say, okay, I won't visit, I won't, I won't turn this way, I won't talk that way. Why? Hong Kong was a fantastic place, the freest place on the face of the globe. Now look at it. Xi, Putin, the fools in Iran, they have designs well beyond their own borders, ladies and gentlemen. And they're not the first. This has gone on for thousands of years. I'll tell you something. Maybe it was a year ago or whenever. My wife and I we're having dinner with the Trumps. I don't remember if anybody else was there or not. It doesn't much matter. And I'm not letting out any secret. But he said there was no way I was going to let the Chinese take Taiwan on my watch. No way that's what he said there was no way that was not going to happen when Putin first started attacking Ukraine everybody gave up on Ukraine gave up immediately on Ukraine including all the expert generals on TV and the expert colonels and lieutenant colonels and they were looking for buck privates by the time it was over they all got it wrong people want to be free Taiwan is an island with 23 and a half million people it's a rounding error for communist China with 1.4 billion you think they're going to be satisfied after Hong Kong and Taiwan 
when they're trying to steal islands from Japan, when they're trying to steal islands from the Philippines? You think they're going to be satisfied if they take all the fishing rights away from the Vietnamese and also the Filipinos and also the Japanese and the North Koreans? They're claiming the entire South China Sea as well as the East China Sea. That's half of the world's economic activity travels through there. And even though an international court ruled against China, they don't care. They had to deal with Hong Kong, with the British over Hong Kong. They broke it. It's that simple. So what, right? What are they doing at the Panama Canal? What the hell is that all about? What are they doing with these bases they're building in Antarctica? What the hell is that all about? The Solomon Islands, West Africa. Why do they want monopoly control over cobalt? Monopoly control. Why do you think that is? What do they have to do and say to wake us the hell up? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, would you turn down millions of dollars a year? All you'd have to do is surrender your independence and abandon your principles for the money. That's a devil's bargain. Sadly, it's one that almost all American colleges and universities make. But there's one college in America saying no. My favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale College refuses to accept one penny of taxpayer money, not even indirectly in the form of federal student grants and loans. By saying no to government money, Hillsdale remains genuinely independent, free from corrupting federal mandates, and most importantly, free to pursue its original 1844 mission, pursuing truth and defending liberty. In addition, over 3 million citizens have enrolled in Hillsdale's free online courses. And over 6 million American households, including mine, receive Hillsdale's free monthly publication in Primus. You can learn more about Hillsdale's independence from government, its mission of defending liberty, and its national outreach programs at levinforhillsdale.com. I want to say something to former Vice President Cheney and his daughter, who I used to have the utmost respect for. You are distracting this nation from a mortal mission to defend itself. And you are lying, lying about January 6th. It was not an insurrection, and you know it was an insurrection you don't need eight hearings and you don't need a thousand witnesses and you don't need hundreds of thousands of documents you have no evidence that Donald Trump led a violent insurrection none whatsoever now you Mr. Cheney you cut an ad for your daughter in Wyoming you said Donald Trump's the most dangerous president ever to this country I happen to think Abraham Lincoln was one of the greatest presidents in American history But I wonder if the Cheneys do. During the course of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln installed martial law in certain parts of the country. Martial law. At the end of the war, more than 13,000 civilians who had been arrested, a significant percentage of them were still being held 
and he wanted them released. But he needed some of the state authorities to release them. During the course of the war, because of the uprisings, when he, when Lincoln called the militia to protect the capital, Washington, Maryland, part of Maryland was for the Union, part of it was for the Confederacy. Well, the militia had been stopped and attacked by citizens in the street, big groups of rioters. Lincoln ordered the military to arrest them without the benefit of charges, habeas corpus. What do the Cheneys think about that? I'm just curious. Well, it's wartime. I'm, I'm just curious. During the course of the war, Abraham Lincoln allowed his Secretary of War to shut down over 200 newspapers. During the course of the war, there was an Ohio congressman who was particularly aggressive in his opposition to Lincoln. Lincoln had him forcibly expelled from the Union and removed from the Union. Removed from Congress and removed from the Union. I wonder what the Cheneys think about that. Just curious. And I could go on and on. Franklin Roosevelt worked very hard with his media partners, his State Department, where there were many anti-Semites, to cover up the Holocaust. the extermination of the European Jews. New York Times, Washington Post, the rest of the media followed suit. I'm sure the Cheneys are horrified by that, and yet they compared Trump to that. With what? How so? I told you about Thomas Jefferson. Certainly Mrs. Cheney's aware of him. In the election of 1800, how he warned Adams and the Federalists that if he hadn't been selected by the House of Representatives as president, and he had every right to be angry about that, that the Republican Party would move for a new constitutional convention, or Virginia would move for secession, or there would be a bloody, violent civil war. I wonder what the Cheneys think about that. There's much of this in American history. Makes Donald Trump look like a piper, doesn't it? We'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. So here it comes. 
You had many people on TV and radio telling you that the media wanted to take out Joe Biden. I said, careful now. Careful now. Yeah, it's not that I'm so smart. It's that I know these people. They're not going to take out Joe Biden unless they have somebody to replace him. And they know it's not Kamala Harris. But even more than that, they want the Republicans to lose in November. So even if they want to take Joe Biden out, they're not going to take Joe Biden out before November. That doesn't even make any sense. So they had a story now and then to try and preserve one little iota of their credibility to show you that they're really serious journalists. So the report on all the disasters, barely. They don't hammer on them over and over and over again, just enough to say that they reported on it. Now you're hearing the string of successes, like Democrat talking points. And what are they? Chips. And what's chips? $52 billion to Silicon Valley. $52 billion of your dollars to subsidize Democrat billionaires on the hope that they're going to invest more in semiconductors. They don't need your $52 billion. So that is considered a success. What's the other success? Well, there's another success, don't you know? They have this, this bill that they're going to ram through Congress that spends another over $800 billion. According to the Congressional Budget Office, not me, that's an appendage of Congress. There is no effect on inflation in a positive direction. None. And according to other objective sources, whether it's University of Pennsylvania or others, it's not going to cut the debt. In fact, all the so-called deficit cutting is in the out years, meaning it never is going to happen. What else is it going to do? It's going to massively increase taxes, not on billionaires, on small businessmen and women, in the middle of a recession. Joe Manchin got what he wanted. He got a few pipelines. But there's an awful lot of people in West Virginia are going to be hurt. They're going to be hurt by inflation. They're going to be hurt by these taxes because they do trickle down the impact. And virtually every West Virginia coal association is jumping up and down about how this is going to hurt the coal industry. So what does it help exactly? More government spending, more government redistribution and wealth, and then, of course, over 10% of the money they're spending goes to the Internal Revenue Service. Over 10%, $80 billion to hire 87,000 frothing-at-the-mouth IRS agents and auditors. They're not going to be chasing down billionaires because the money's with you. It always has been, the vast middle class, the working Americans who pay all the bills. They're coming for you. And so that's considered a Joe Biden victory. Another Joe Biden victory. One after another. But not a victory for America. This is how Washington works. This is how the corrupt media work. This is how the Democrat Party scores things. If it helps the Democrat Party, it's considered a success. It's considered a success. 
Now, what about the idiotic idea that's in this bill that they're going to cap drug prices? Which, of course, means what? What happens if you cap prices for hamburgers? What happens? People stop producing hamburgers. Maybe they'll produce hot dogs. I don't know. Maybe they'll put their money somewhere else. If you're a corporation, you don't have to invest your money in research and development on drugs. You can invest it on something else. Well, that's what's going to happen. It's going to dry up research and development on drugs. The rest of the world steals our patents. Then they create what they call generics, which are never as good. Then they sell them back into the United States, and the Democrats have a great idea. Let's buy those. Fine. Now, who's going to invent the new drugs since the vast majority of patents in this world are issued here in the United States to Americans? To American businesses and entrepreneurs. Well, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Nobody thinks beyond the first or second step because it doesn't serve their political purposes, which is power at any cost. Then you have all kinds of crap here with green energy. There is no such thing as green energy. Nothing comes from nothing. You'll learn more about that on Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Levin. Please don't forget to watch. Or set your DVR now. Oh, look at the string of victories. String of victories for, for Biden. And his numbers are starting to turn. Wow. So all of a sudden we forget Afghanistan. We forget his mishandling of the virus. We forget the open borders. We forget the sky-high crime and murder rates. All of a sudden, we forget inflation. We've already redefined a recession. And we have a good numbers. Good numbers, they tell us, on unemployment or employment this month. So everything else is ignored. And of course, Joe Biden created those numbers. How? Nobody knows how. Massive deficit spending? Massive regulation? Massive redistribution of wealth? Massive inflation? That's created job? No, ladies and gentlemen. It takes the economy a little time to react when government takes steps. That number is going to come down. Interest rates are going up further. The economy is going to continue to contract. And that number is a number that's slower to catch up to the rest of the numbers. There's a guy by the name of Scott Jennings on CNN, and he gets it. He understands this. He understands this isn't an Inflation Reduction Act. It doesn't reduce inflation. The only people who say it does are the Democrats, the administration, and their media flacks. But there are a few in the media who get it. Cut 24, go. Well, a couple things. First of all, no games will change until 2026 because the, the prescription drug provisions don't kick in until then. So as a political matter, nothing's going to change. I, I really think the biggest problem the Democrats have with passing this, we can call it a win, but they've named a piece of legislation the Inflation Reduction Act. The Congressional Budget Office, the Joint Committee on Taxation have said this will have a at best, a negligible impact on inflation. And so if inflation is the number one issue in the country, and according to the polling it is, if you vote on a bill today to, say, reduce inflation, and in two months, three months, when we're going to the polls, and inflation has not come down, 
you're going to own that. And so I, I really do think they have a branding issue on this. I know why they changed the name of it, so that Joe Manchin could go out and claim he did something. But that's not going to change what's happening to voters themselves. So the, the prescription drug stuff doesn't happen for years. The climate stuff is, you know, out in the future somewhere. The main issue is inflation, and it does nothing despite the bill's title. Do you really think that the voters think to themselves the name is more important than the meat on the bone? I mean, really? I think if you tell people, hey, we passed a bill called Inflation Reduction Act, and inflation doesn't go down, or maybe it goes up in the short term, according to one analysis, they might, they might notice, <laughs> because they're already noticing. It's the number one issue in the country. Hmm. How about that? And you have to hear it on CNN. CNN. I saw another analysis, actually several economists... They said this is uh, this is not sustainable, this employment number. For the reasons I said, the Fed is going to increase rates later this month or next month another three quarters of a point. The impact on housing, the impact on automobiles and everything else is obvious, and inflation is going to go even higher, certainly in the midterm. That doesn't create jobs. So the Democrats are playing with fire. I don't care about them politically. They're playing with fire when it comes to the economy. And there are no real steps being taken to improve our situation when it comes to energy production, when it comes to electricity, or any of those things. Any of those things. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Right now, every business is trying to nickel and dime you. How much can they squeeze you to offset their increasing costs? It's a mess. That's why I love Pure Talk, my wireless company, and I want it to be your wireless company. Pure Talk drew the line in the sand and said, stop screwing over the American public. So when you sign up with Pure Talk this month, you're going to get their best ever offer, one month free, one month free. You can lock in talk, text, and data on America's most reliable 5G network, for just 30 bucks a month. Plus get one month free when you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com and enter code Levin Podcast for this special offer. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. Need another reason? When you choose Pure Talk, you're choosing to support American jobs. You're choosing to support a company whose CEO is a U.S. veteran. And with Pure Talk's no-risk money-back guarantee, you won't regret it. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and get one month free. Oh, yes, I forgot to mention, America, that Joe Biden is responsible for getting Al Salami in Kabul with our new missile. The super duper Ron Pope. Slicer and Dicer. Of course, uh, man was living out in the open. We were told the Taliban would not support Al Qaeda. They broke their promise. They broke their signed agreement with us. That is a Biden success. Al-Qaeda has reconstituted in Afghanistan. That's a Biden success. So the CHIPS program they mentioned, which gives billions and billions to billionaires in Silicon Valley, that's all going to be blown and you're never going to hear about it again. 
just like the COVID money, the infrastructure money. You see much infrastructure going on from that money? No. The shovel-ready jobs. How many more crap programs costing hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars, and then it disappears? Where did it go? I don't know, but we didn't spend enough. The CHIPS program subsidizes the oligarchs. And then the disaster in Afghanistan, which I firmly believe led to the invasion of Ukraine and is leading to all this stuff with Taiwan. But that is a victory for Joe Biden. It's a victory for Joe Biden because he got Al Salami. And now this next bill. This next bill, a disaster for your children and grandchildren and you. It won't help any of you, you will not feel the difference at all except increased inflation down the road. You won't feel a damn thing on prescription drugs. You won't feel a damn thing on anything. But that's another Joe success, a string of successes. And now we're watching the polls. You see the propagandists kick in, the demagogues kick in. The talking points kick in. They'll be kicking in all Sunday long. Well, not on my show, but you know what I mean. The Sunday shows. I mean, in between having Liz Cheney on and Adam Kingsinger on and the other clowns from the January 6th committee because their greatest threat to America in American history is Donald Trump, you see. Dizzy Lizzie won't come on my radio show, but she'll go everywhere else. Dizzy Lizzie said Thursday on CNN's Anderson Cooper 360. The United States could not be considered a nation of laws if former President Donald Trump's not prosecuted. We have a situation here which is completely unique in modern history. We literally have members of Congress, ladies and gentlemen, publicly urging what are supposed to be career prosecutors who are supposed to make decisions on the law and the facts, pressuring them, a Democrat party and reprobates, never Trumpers, demanding, pressuring them to prosecute a former president who they've always hated. Who they've always hated. And nobody complains about that. That's perfectly fine. No problem. CNN chief national analyst Casey Hunt said some have expressed concern that prosecuting former President Trump would turn him into a martyr and potentially add to his political strength for the base. Uh, Who has said that? Who has said that? No, some have said it would be a disaster for the nation to criminalize politics. I've said that. But who said what she said? Nobody. Do you share that concern? Do you have any concern that the prosecution would strengthen Trump's political hand? This is how they think. That's it. Not about the Constitution, right from wrong, good from evil. I don't think that it is appropriate to think about it that way because the question for us is, are we a nation of laws? I don't know, Lizzie. Is that how you view what your committee is doing? Is that how you view it? Are we a country where no one is above the law and with that the facts and the evidence shows? She is very, very good with the platitudes. 
Certainly, I've been very clear, and I think he is clearly guilty of the most derelict of duty of any president of our nation's history. Derelict of duty. Is that English? But anyway, dereliction of duty? So we have a president today who refuses to enforce our immigration laws. Right now. Right this minute. Is that a dereliction of duty? Federal judge in California said that it was more likely than not that he and John Eastman committed two crimes. I've told you this before, but you are repeating yourself like a parakeet. That judge in California did not have any case in front of him that would have laid out a matter of criminal charges of any kind for him to draw that conclusion. What that judge did was utterly irresponsible, and if you talk to people who actually practice law in California, they say that judge is a crackpot in many respects. But it doesn't matter to Liz. The ends justify the means. The ends justifies the means. She says they have to make decision, meaning the prosecutors, about prosecution, understanding what it means if the facts and the evidence are there and they decide not to prosecute. How do we then call ourselves a nation of laws? I think it's a very serious balance. No, you don't, because you're unbalanced. You don't think it's a balance at all. You've already made the point. You don't believe in the American Revolution. You believe in the French Revolution. Right? Guillotines. Off with their heads. Because Liz has decided that people are guilty of crimes. Liz doesn't believe there's another side. Liz doesn't want to hear anything about it. Liz doesn't want to know about history. Liz doesn't want to know anything. And she doesn't know anything. That's Dizzy Lizzy, ladies and gentlemen. Quite shocking. And she's distracting the nation, as is her father, as are the rest from a grave and dire threat that we face. She and they claim to be very concerned about our national security. How much time has she spent on our national security, let alone representing the people of Wyoming? But how much time has she spent? Almost none. But she's so self-righteous, so narcissistic, so obsessed, so filled with anger and hate at Trump, He's the boogeyman. He's the evil guy. That her psychosis is now said to be the future of the Republican Party. No, I don't think so. And Liz, you are a coward. There you are on the Constipated News Network. You're on with Anderson Cooper. He's no principled conservative, but you're afraid of me, aren't you, Liz? I'll be right back. Right now, every business is trying to nickel and dime you. How much can they squeeze you to offset their increasing costs? It's a mess. That's why I love Pure Talk, my wireless company. And I want it to be your wireless company. Pure Talk drew the line in the sand and said, stop screwing over the American public. So when you sign up with Pure Talk this month, you're going to get their best ever offer. One month free. One month free. You can lock in talk, text, and data on America's most reliable 5G network for just 30 bucks a month. Plus, get one month free when you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com and enter code LEVINPODCAST for this special offer. That's L-E-V-I-N PODCAST. Need another reason? 
When you choose Pure Talk, you're choosing to support American jobs. You're choosing to support a company whose CEO is a U.S. veteran. And with Pure Talk's no-risk money-back guarantee, you won't regret it. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and get one month free. Mark Levin, an unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. You know, uh, I listen to this Joe Biden from time to time. This Joe Biden isn't particularly intelligent, do you think, Mr. Producer? She has a PhD filled with typos and so forth, but I don't find her particularly intelligent. But again, I'm probably one of the few that doesn't find Michelle Obama particularly intelligent. What has she done that's intelligent? Well, she wrote her book. No, she didn't. She may have gone over her book and edited her book. She's got another one coming out. She makes like $60 million a book for the people, of course, in this very white supremacist nation. But that said, I don't find her to be particularly intelligent. I do find Melania to be particularly intelligent. I mean, she knows multiple languages. She was a self-made multimillionaire. She came into this nation as an immigrant. What did Joe Biden do? What did Michelle Obama do? Well, they've got a lot of mansions. Really, they have a lot of mansions. What's that all about? Their carbon footprint has to be massive. I don't think it's as big as, you know, Bill Gates' carbon footprint or Bezos' carbon footprint or Gore's carbon footprint. But it's a big damn footprint. It's not as big as LeBron's, I don't think. I didn't know that the WNBA basketball player that's being held in uh, Russia was one of these individuals who wouldn't stand for the national anthem and was trashing the country. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? You didn't. I didn't know this. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to get her out. I get that. But I will be curious to know what she thinks of America afterwards. Do you still hate America? I understand she wants to get out of there and come back to America, Mr. Producer. Did you hear that? Yeah, I wonder why that is. And I wonder why the Russian government's not being called white supremacists and racists, quite frankly. Isn't it? Isn't it? You know that uh, heat, we call it summertime. Uh, we have record heat, you know. We do based on what? Well, we don't know, but it seems like a record. It's a funny thing, the way we are. It's a funny thing. People want to go where it's warm when they vacation, right? So where, when it's warm where they live, and it's not typically warm, they complain about it. I don't get it. I like it warm. Actually like it hot. But that's beside the point, isn't it? So people want to go to the Caribbean, or they want to go here, they want to go to the, the, the beach and enjoy the ocean when it's hot, and that sort of thing. And then when it's around their homes, it's, oh my God, it's global, it's climate change. It's, it's, 
Meredith, yeah, Meredith, yes. It's, it's, it's climate change. It's got to be something like that, wouldn't you say, darling? Yes, yes, it is. Um, no, it's not. It's hot. That's what happens in the summer. Some places are hotter than others. That's no reason to destroy our economy and undermine our national security. You know what we're going to do? What? We're going to get rid of fossil fuels, say the morons who don't know anything about fossil fuels. We're going to have wind power. We're going to have sun power. Uh, Hello? Can we see your blueprint, at least? Can we see how you're going to do it? No. No, we don't have a blueprint. Everybody get electric vehicles. You can't afford them. We'll subsidize them. But the electrical grid can't handle it. Don't worry. We'll figure that out another day. Meanwhile, look what's happening in Germany. They're going back to nuclear and coal. Look what happened to Sri Lanka. It collapsed. They were very forward-looking, very progressive for a little country. And that's what's going to happen to us if this keeps up. That said, Palestinian Islamic Jihad fires over 100 rockets from Gaza into Israel. What's going on here? The Israeli intelligence informed the government there, that Islamic Jihad was preparing a massive attack on Israel's cities. Terrorist attacks. The Israelis have intelligence like nobody else. So they weren't going to wait around for it. They have what they call Israel first. It's sort of like America first, but they don't wait to get hit if they can possibly prevent it. Now, these rocket attacks from the Palestinian Islamic Jihad terrorist group uh, were fired off at civilians after the Israelis took out their air force did this strike in northern Gaza and took out uh, one of the head uh, Yabadabas. Jerusalem Post, more than... You know what's interesting, Mr. Producer? In America? I don't think I've seen this on cable TV. Have you seen it, Rick, uh, Stephen? No. It's like nothing's going on. It's amazing. More than 70 rockets were fired from from the Gaza Strip into southern and central Israel Friday night. Hours after the IDF struck multiple terrorist targets in Gaza, killing a top Islamic Jihad terrorist leader, as well as additional operatives. Now... The current Prime Minister, Lapid, I don't believe he's going to hold a prime-time presser without questions from the press in 72 hours explaining how fantastic he is. They don't do that over there. Sirens, <coughs> excuse me, sirens were heard across a number of key Israeli cities as more than 100 rockets were fired at Yavne, Be'er Yaakov, Ashdod, and the Gaza border communities. Most of the rockets were intercepted by Israel's Iron Dome missile defense system. The IDF was retaliating and striking additional targets said to be affiliated with Islamic Jihad terrorist infrastructure. Now, interesting, the Israelis have said to the other terrorists there, 
you'd be wise to stay out of this. You'd be wise to stay out of this. So far, my understanding is they have, but you don't know if that'll stay that way. I'm talking about Hamas in particular. The targeting range was soon widened as rockets were fired toward the center of Israel, including Rishon Lezion. I don't know how to pronounce all these places. An hour later, more rockets were fired at Sarat, Ibim, and Niram. No casualties were reported. The rocket attacks came after the IDF struck multiple Islamic Jihad targets in Gaza on Friday. Israel's calling it Operation Breaking Dawn. The strikes destroyed Islamic Jihad military structures, and including the assassination of top terrorist leader Yazir al-Jabari Yabadabadu. The IDF hit additional targets in Gaza in response to the rocket fire. The strikes have been in response to a major terror attack that was being planned by Islamic Jihad after its leader was arrested on Monday. This reminds me, and I've talked about it two or three times, of this candidate in the 7th Congressional District in Florida. His name is Sabatini. Sabatini. He fancies himself Rand Paul. And when I was questioning him as the debate moderator, innocently, and now he calls me a super neocon, and you have to expect this from bigots. In any event, he said, okay, we shouldn't be helping Ukraine. Okay. And if Russia cuts the Ukraine and hits Poland or Romania, well, unfortunately, we have this NATO contract. I guess we have to help. But I said, without the NATO treaty? He said, no, we shouldn't help them. Oh, okay. So when do we react? When it is in America's best interest, and I mean strictly in America's best interest, he says. Well, when do we know when it's strictly in America's best interest? When missiles are flying into the interior of the United States? Guy had no answer. And neither does Rand. And neither do the others. Neither does Josh. They have no answers. We have to wait to be attacked? And that's in America's best interest? That's putting America first? Isn't putting America first hitting them where they live rather than where we live when the intelligence tells us what they're up to? Or when they're building up a, a military machine and, it, and, and, and creating choke points with their various ports, bases, and positioning? I mean, ladies and gentlemen, it, 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 this isn't brain surgery. I mean, it's complicated strategy and tactics, but I'm saying it's not brain surgery to figure out when your country's being threatened. Everything's not Afghanistan and Iraq. We're talking about major superpower or just shy of superpower nations. We're not talking about You know, putting down this small country or that small country. We're talking about real threats against us. Nations that have nuclear subs. Nations that have nuclear missiles aimed at our cities. That have big armies. And we're talking about understanding American history. Anyway, that's a big deal. The Israelis get it. Now they have individuals as well in Israel 
who are pacifists and isolationists, buffoons. There are Jews like J Street and other organized radical left groups who are similar in that respect. Hate Israel first, hate America first, all that stuff. But in the end, those people are pushed to the side. They have to be. In the end, those people are pushed aside. Otherwise, the society can't survive. It's really that simple. Anyway, so we're looking at what's going on in the Middle East. We'll see if Hezbollah jumps in and Hamas in Iran, quite frankly. Now imagine if Iran had nukes right now. Biden administration heads to Vienna for last-ditch Iran negotiations. I think this is the examiner. Last-ditch negotiations. Ladies and gentlemen, there's story after story. And the Iranian regime is pounding its chest and, and patting its back. And they're saying, we've got them. We've got the centrifuges. We're running them, baby. We're able to process uranium to the point of, of having nuclear weapons. Just a matter of us fusing the, the process and the uranium with the ICBMs, and we're set. And you can't undo the knowledge. And the Biden administration goes to Vienna, last-ditch effort at negotiating. What are they negotiating? Mr. Purdue, what are they going to say? We'll lift all sanctions, most of which they've already lifted, if you stop. Even the U.N. says they're not stopping. They've been cheating. This is why we have an enormous problem. Iran, China, Russia. That's the new axis. Iran, China, Russia. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Right now, every business is trying to nickel and dime you. How much can they squeeze you to offset their increasing costs? It's a mess. That's why I love Pure Talk, my wireless company. And I want it to be your wireless company. Pure Talk drew the line in the sand and said, stop screwing over the American public. So when you sign up with Pure Talk this month, you're going to get their best ever offer. One month free. One month free. You can lock in talk, text, and data on America's most reliable 5G network for just 30 bucks a month. Plus, get one month free when you make the switch today. Just go to puretalk.com and enter code Levin Podcast for this special offer. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. Need another reason? When you choose Pure Talk, you're choosing to support American jobs. You're choosing to support a company whose CEO is a U.S. veteran. And with Pure Talk's no-risk money-back guarantee, you won't regret it. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and get one month free. Four St. Louis officers, they have a warrant. They're looking for uh, a man. They didn't issue the warrant. They have a warrant. And they're told to, uh, to bring in this guy because of his uh, drug use and dealing. And he's in this apartment. As they come in, they're shot at it and they shoot back. And unfortunately... 
they killed Breonna Taylor, his girlfriend. This has been turned into a race case. There was a thorough criminal investigation. Thorough. And these officers were found to have not committed any crimes. In comes Merrick Garland in the Department of Injustice because these are radical, completely out of control, and they hate law enforcement, local law enforcement. And they accuse these officers, these four St. Louis officers, of violating her federal civil rights. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. It really is just awful. The lawlessness that goes on in the name of law enforcement. I'll see you in a minute. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. You want to have a little fun? Well, it's kind of Mark fun. Mark, uh, what do you do for a hobby? What do you do? Read, think, write. Kind of. That's what I kind of do. Several years ago, I guess it's five years now or so, when I wrote this book, Rediscovering Americanism, it was a tough book. Like a meritopia, two very tough books. But there's a subject in there that I discussed at some length with you, and I think it relates to what's going on generally. It's a little deeper than just addressing current events. It's this question, what is liberty? What is liberty? And do most people view liberty the same way? How was it that some people 
promote tyranny and then call it liberty. And in uh, we talked about Russian-British political theorist and philosopher Isaiah Berlin, who lived from 1909 to 1997. By the way, everything I'm telling you will not be picked up by the New York Times, Media Matters, Washington Post, Mediaite, because this is where we go deep, and this is where they can't follow us. Too difficult and reveals the true nature of this program. So Isaiah Berlin, he looked at liberty by dividing it into two general but distinct categories. Positive liberty and negative liberty. Now stick with me here. Because by positive he didn't mean good, and by negative he didn't mean bad, as you'll understand in a moment. These are easily confused terms suggesting that positive liberty is something that is good and negative liberty is something that's bad. Or perhaps positive liberty establishes liberty and negative liberty denies it. That's not the case. In fact, the contrary is the case. Stay with me. You can follow this. So in various lectures and writings beginning in the 50s, Berlin went further in developing these analytical devices. He said that positive liberty is, quote, involved in the answer to the question, what or who is the source of control or interference that can determine someone to do or be this rather than that? The two questions are clearly different. Even though the answers to them may overlap. So, Liberty in the negative sense, he said, involves an answer to the question, what is the area within which the subject, a person or group of persons, is or should be left to do or be what he is able to do or be without interference by another person? So that's negative liberty, pursuing the question of, I'll put it this way, the circle of liberty that surrounds each of us, as the Tocqueville put it, right? that cannot be penetrated by the government or by other people. Whereas positive liberty says, the question is, who can tell me what to do and how can they tell me to do it? What or who? Negative liberty is the absence of obstacles, barriers or constraints to the individual. One is negative... (coughs) One is negative liberty to the extent that actions are available to one in this negative sense. Okay? Positive liberty is the possibility of acting, or the fact of acting, in such a way as to take control of one's life and realize one's fundamental purposes. Negative liberty is usually attributed to individual agency. Positive liberty is sometimes attributed to collective actions. Okay, so throughout the discussion of progressivism in this book, from Rousseau, Hegel, Marx, to Crowley, Roosevelt, Wilson, Dooley, and Weil, the core themes in the book evolved around defining individual worth and salvation and liberation through the lenses of the collective. 
through the collective, scientifically managed by and through a centralized unified government construct, often referred to or compared to a living organism or body, said to represent the general will, the general welfare, national interests, working masses, that, that is the proletarian. This organism, remember Wilson talked about the living and breathing constitution, and now everybody does? It's of the left. The organism will only act rationally, will only be in control of itself when its various parts are brought into line with some rational plan devised by its wise governors. What is missing all through is an appreciation for and the best interests of the sanctity and sovereignty of the unique flesh and blood individual human beings. So that's essentially what we call positive liberty, not because it's positive, because it requires action by a collective action also by wise men and wise women directing the collective through various means and mechanisms. Not so with negative liberty. Negative liberty is the individual as opposed to the collective and the wise men and the wise people telling you what to do. And so the way Marx wrote and Hegel before him and the so-called progressives after him, that you cannot experience true liberty. You cannot experience your true self, your real self, on your own. This is what Obama meant when he said, you, you didn't do all these things. We had to make roads and you had to go to public schools and we had to do all that. So what Obama was doing was his version of Marxism or positive liberty. Whereas the framers and the founders and you and I and Locke and Montesquieu and so many others, Aristotle, Cicero, as Berlin would put it, had the other concept of liberty. And you can see it in the Declaration. That it surrounds the individual, individual sovereignty. Not the collective and not the state. That you can experience and grow by exercising free will. You know, in the context of a civil society. By exercising free will. Now, he gave a lecture in 1958 on the two concepts of liberty. And he explained that studies about politics and philosophy in academia spring from and thrive on discord. Someone may question this on the ground that even in a society of saintly anarchists, where no conflicts about ultimate purposes can take place, political problems, for example, (coughs) constitutional legislative issues might still arise. But where ends are agreed, the only questions left are those of means. And these are not political, but technical. That is to say, capable of being settled by experts or machines, like arguments between engineers or doctors. Sounds like we're moving into tyranny, right? Away from liberty? And that's really effectively what so-called positive liberty is. But I'm going to explain my point further in a minute. Just stick with me. That's why those who put their faith in some immense world-transforming phenomenon, like the final triumph of reason, 
or the proletariat revolution or climate change must believe that all political and moral problems can thereby be turned into technological ones. And this is really pulled again from Marx. That's the meaning of Engels' famous phrase about replacing the government of persons by the administration of things. And the Marxist prophecies about the withering away of the state and the beginning of the true history of humanity. And I call it utopian. There was another book, Ameritopia. Okay, stick with me. You'll get there with me at the end. I'll explain. So in this, Berlin said that the people ignore the academics and intellectuals at their own peril, since it is they who devise and develop the philosophical and political notions upon which politics is practiced. So we're pretty much defining the modern Democrat Party, the American Marxists, the corrupt media. He says, don't ignore where they're coming from, because you'll be devoured from it. Politics, in turn, is the means by which institutions govern and affect society and the individual. So Berlin exhorted that not enough attention is paid to this debate, and the debaters, despite the fact the outcome will determine the future of humanity. He says, this is both surprising and dangerous. Surprising because there has, perhaps, been no time in modern history when so large a number of human beings in both the East and the West have had their notions and indeed their lives so deeply alerted and in some cases violently upset by fanatically held social and political doctrines. Dangerous because when ideas are neglected by those who ought to attend to them, that is, challenge them, that is to say those who have been trained to think critically about ideas, they sometimes acquire an unchecked momentum and an irresistible power over multitudes of men that may grow too violent to be affected by rational criticism. Is that not what's happening today? Whether it's abortion on demand, partial birth, whether it's open borders, whether it's critical race theory and genderism and all the rest. In further describing negative liberty, which is what you and I share, he said, I am normally said to be free to the degree to which no man or body of men interferes with my activity. Political liberty, in this sense, is simply the area within which a man can act unobstructed by others. If I am prevented by others from doing what I could otherwise do, I am to that degree unfree. And if this area is contracted by other men beyond a certain minimum, I can be described as being coerced, or it may be enslaved. Coercion is not a term that covers every form of inability. In other words, he's not against all laws and moral limits. If I say that I am unable to jump more than 10 feet in the air or cannot read because I am blind or cannot understand the darker pages of Hegel, he hated Hegel, as do I, it will be eccentric to say that I am to that degree enslaved or coerced. Coercion implies the deliberate interference of other human beings within the area in which I could otherwise act on my own. You lack political liberty or freedom only if you are prevented from attaining a goal by human beings. Mere incapacity to attain a goal is not lack of political freedom. All right. So you can see the entire American Marxist project is, in the technical sense, as he writes, positive liberty, collectivism, 
the wise men calling the shots. And only that way, through collectivism and the wise men engineering society, can we truly exercise our real being. And so they push and they fight to centralize the government under what they call wise men, but are really politicians and bureaucrats with iron fists. And Berlin later says this is extraordinarily dangerous where people begin to believe they're only free if they are in the modern sense, if they're getting a government check, if they're promised a government job, if they're promised a government pension, if they're promised health care, if they're promised this, if they're promised that. They're not free, but they think they're free, and they're told they're free. The real free man rejects all this negative aspect of their so-called freedom. That is, free will, individual decision-making, decisions that not only improve your life and the life of your family and your community, but the country as a whole. Because you're a free person doing things, and that is the big divide, said Berlin. And I think he was right. I think he was absolutely right. So when you see these Democrats and others go on TV and say, we need to do this, we need to centralize this, we need to raise taxes, we need a department of this, we need to do that, we need to do that, their perverse thinking is, in that way, more people will achieve and embrace freedom. But that's not freedom, is it? It's really slavery. I'll be right back. couple other, I think, critical points. Berlin asserted, turning to positive liberty, he said, self-government may on the whole provide a better guarantee of the preservation of civil liberties than other regimes, but listen very carefully, and has been defended as such by libertarians. But there's no necessary connection between individual liberty and democratic rule. There's no necessary connection between individual liberty and democratic rule. He said it's better than most regimes. The answer to the question, who governs me, is logically distinct from the question, how far does government interfere with me? And he's saying this is the difference. On positive liberty, it's more who governs me. On negative liberty, it's more, well, how are they governing me? It is this difference that the great contrast between the two concepts of negative and positive liberty in the end consists, he says. For the positive sense of liberty comes to light if we try to answer the question not, what am I free to do or be, but by whom am I ruled? And he describes the mindset of what he calls the modern progressives and their philosophical patrons, declaring that in exercising the positive freedom idea to be all you want to be, the positive freedom idea, the community, the community, in exercising that idea, the danger is that the real self may be conceived as something wider than the individual. 
and as a social whole of which the individual is an element or aspect. What he's saying here is this. When you get a Stalin, when you get a Castro, when you get a Xi, a Mao, this sort of thing, they are exercising their maximum liberty to govern over people in a way in which they argue they're creating a collective through which these people can achieve their freedom as determined and defined by the dictator. By the dictator. That's what we're up against. Their so-called positive liberty can be very appealing to a point until it's too late. I'll be right back. Liberty and defeat tyranny. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. I always say you're the smartest audience of any audience, because you are. This is why the ratings are through the roof, even though I go deep into this stuff, because you want to hear it. You want to learn about it. And I enjoy it. Look at your Bill of Rights in the Constitution. That's why this discussion isn't simply academic. Look at the Bill of Rights in the Constitution. Are they positive liberty or negative liberty? They're negative liberty. The Bill of Rights. It's a set of negative liberty directives to the federal government where the federal government is prevented from taking certain actions altogether or where actions are to be limited in scope. The First Amendment, Congress shall make no law, so forth. Second Amendment, irrelevant well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, negative liberty. Amendment 3, no soldier sound time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner and so forth, negative liberty. A power the government doesn't have, so your liberty is preeminent, paramount. Fourth Amendment, the right of the people to be secure in their persons and so forth and so forth. Fifth Amendment, no person shall be held to answer for capital and more. Sixth Amendment, Seventh Amendment, Eighth Amendment, Ninth Amendment, Tenth Amendment, all are intended as bulwarks against positive liberty. You cannot have tyranny and negative liberty. Positive liberty is really at the core of tyranny. That is, your liberty is only manifested through the community, <coughs> through the interests of the whole, as determined by the wise men. But for these, the, the, these American Marxists, none of this is of consequence, because they believe in a spiritual and actual slavery to mankind's perfectibility by mankind itself. The American heritage is considered a heritage of folklore and irrelevance, if not regressive and obstructive, and now white dominance. So for them, reason alone, the here and now, 
so-called science applied to human behavior and governance, the individual's community and the existing social needs require a higher nature. And that higher nature is of the modern man's making. Having nothing to do with external truths like we have in our Declaration. The guidance and constraints of a moral order, ancient traditions. Berlin said the question then is not about the individual's liberty, but it is what or who is the source of control or interference that can determine someone to do or be this rather than that? So for the American Marxist, the answer is the centralized administrative state, where you are coerced in infinite ways as well by the machinery of the state. So reason transforms into will, which in turn transforms into an ideological pursuit of control and power. Actual science, actual reason, actual knowledge are abandoned. Think of the Fauci period. Yet this is said to be liberating of both the individual and society. Mankind is said to be free and autonomous when in fact the opposite is true. Berlin wrote, but to manipulate men to propel them towards goals which you, the social reformer, see, but they may not, is to deny their human essence, to treat them as objects without wills of their own, and therefore to degrade them. That is why to lie to men or to deceive them, that is to use them as a means for my, not their own, independently conceived ends, even if it is for their own benefit, is in effect to treat them as, this is Berlin, and he's right, subhuman. To behave as if their ends are less ultimate and sacred than my own. If I find that I am able to do little or nothing of what I wish, I need only contract or extinguish my wishes, and I am made free. If the tyrant manages to condition his subjects or customers into losing their original wishes and embracing the form of life he has invented for them, he will, on his definition, have succeeded in liberating them. So by... In effect, running a police state, he claims to have liberated them from their own individual will. He will no doubt have made them feel free. But what he has created is the very antithesis of political freedom. So I point out, having rejected natural law and constitutional republicanism, The American Marxist embraces another theory of law, although foreign to the American heritage. That's this positive law. And I won't go any further about positivism and Comte and all the rest of it, but it's in the book. Like I said, it was a tough book to read five years ago. I understand that rediscovering Americanism and the tyranny of progressivism. But if you're into this sort of thing and you want to self-teach yourself, That's the book. I'm sure Jeremy Peters has never read my books, especially this one. Philip Bump, Sarah Rump, none of them. They just like to say, oh, Mark Levin is, he's a bigot. Oh, did you hear what Mark Levin said? Headlines, because I'm dealing with mental midgets. That's what I'm dealing with. The critics. I don't expect them to be able to reach up if they're going to criticize my writings, some of our more uh, 
heavy discussions on this program. I notice when the professors write about me, when the hit squads write about me, they never get into any of this. As I've been telling you for years and years how corrupt Wikipedia is, it's all superficial. It's all headline-oriented, all about hits and clicks and all the rest. But so you can see, I, on the radio program, I try to bring this sort of thing to you, as well as other things that we discuss. I try to do it on TV as well. And what they do not point out is it's, this is why it's a number one show, wherever it is, where the books are number one. This is why. Because you're smart. You're substantive. And you want to get to the bottom of things. You want to understand things, and so do I. Unlike them. This Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, Life, Liberty, and Levin, considered very, very important. And I spent an enormous amount of time, believe it or not, preparing for my opening statement. Started at 4 in the morning to gather information, went back to sleep, woke up again, and continued. And I'm trying my best. If I'm alone in this business, I'm alone in this business. Trying my best to persuade as many people as I possibly can beyond this fantastic audience, too, to not surrender their country with false idols and false ideologies. Reagan didn't, and Trump didn't. Reagan was no pacifist, he was no isolationist, and he defeated the Soviet Union. And Trump isn't either. Took out Soleimani, took out Baghdadi, put his foot on Iran's throat, put his foot on China's throat, put his foot on Russia's throat. That's what he did. He came under attack by these very same forces who pretend to support him. Don't, don't, under any circumstances. Be persuaded by this. Again, far too many young people, particularly young activist conservatives, find this appealing. It's not appealing. It's deadly. China's on the move, and they mean business. You've never seen Taiwan under this kind of threat. You never would have believed five years ago that Hong Kong would be destroyed like this. It's happened. If somebody told you five, ten years ago that there'd be fake islands in the South China Sea, militarized, you wouldn't have believed that either. Or if the Panama Canal was being taken over by the communist Chinese, you wouldn't have believed that. Or Guadalcanal and the Solomon Islands? No way, right? No way. Well, yes way. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Tomorrow's August 6th. August 6th. And that's the day my beautiful, brilliant wife was born. So her birthday is tomorrow. And I want to wish my wife, Julie, a joyous, happy birthday. Obviously, we'll all be together. And uh, I'm very lucky. Very, very lucky. And it's her birthday. And 
You know, some people don't want to celebrate their birthdays. I guess I'm one of them. I guess it's not it's not because I'm afraid I'm getting old. I just, okay, great. But I like celebrating other people's birthdays. Makes them happy, I think. But uh, particularly people who you really adore. And so tomorrow is my wife Julie's birthday. I want to wish you a happy birthday. I love her and adore her, and she really is brilliant. And I might add, beautiful. What else can you want? Nothing. That's it. That's it, right, Mr. Producer? Aren't you married now? You just got married like six months ago, right? I guess I lost the invitation in the mail, but I'm glad I didn't get it. I don't come anyway. I'm just messing with you. So every Friday at this time, we play it in your honor. The great people of the United States who make this country work. Here you go.
know there's a lot of people out there going through very difficult times, and I know several of them. Let's give a prayer for them and hug your family this week, and I'm sure you will in this audience. Life, Liberty, and Levin. Don't forget, Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern. If you can't watch live, you can DVR. Just set the DVR now. And happy birthday again, my beautiful, brilliant Julie. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, and, of course, our trucker friends and our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and Taiwan. Good night to all my little pups. And good night, Dad, Mom, Leo, and Joe. And good night, America.